Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am great. After yesterday, I'm pretty great. Yeah, yesterday was fun. We went out to uh, Cookville, where we used to live for for a time. Um, just kind of enjoyed some of the things they had around there. They got a couple of breweries around there we went to check out. We have so much beer. Yeah, yeah. What's 64 times, oh, four. We have four growlers. Yeah, we have four growlers. All 64 ounces, so that's two <laughs> gallons of beer. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's fun. Um, also checked out a new coffee shop that was out there. Yes. Um, so we'll be featuring their coffee in one of the upcoming episodes, maybe the next episode. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, they're a, a roaster in, in Cookville called Brost. Brost. Um, so those of you that know them are maybe excited. Those of you that don't, um, I highly encourage you to go check them out. Yeah. Um. Really good. They had some really that good That drink drinks. was amazing. Yeah, they Probably had some really the... good coffee. I'm excited to try some of their beans. Because mm-hmm. um, we got to see where they roast, like right there in the shop. Yeah, yeah. So that it was, was really cool. cool. Um, and then again, you know, a couple of the breweries that we, we love. We may feature, may do some, some beer episodes too. Yes, that would be fun. Um, one of these days we'll have to, to go back out there. We hit up... Um, also, what are we eating? Oh yeah, so we're also eating some um, an apple fritter from Ralph's, Ralph's Donuts, Donuts in Cookville. Oh. Um, highly encourage you. To they were go featured out to... on the Travel Channel. Were they? Uh huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Ralph's was. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's worth going out to Cookville just for the donuts. So. Oh yeah. Go to go to Cookville. Make sure you go to Ralph's. Mm hmm. And then there's a lot of a ton of other things. If you too. have anything that you would like to do in Cookville, Tennessee, just DM us. If you're like, "Hey, I want to go," and I will send you a list of all of your must do while you are there. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a a cool little town. Um, like I if you miss it, I miss Cookville, but it's a little far away from from everything else. So yeah, it's about um, halfway between Knoxville and Nashville on yeah. forty. Yeah. Um, it's really cool really cool little awesome. town. TTU's there. T- for all you football fans, TTU's there. Yeah, Tennessee Tech. Um, but yeah, highly encourage everybody to go check out Cookville sometime. It's a really cool place. This apple fritter is so good. Yeah. Um, so right now we're going to continue on. We we're finishing up. Our oh wait, who are we? We're Bart and Sam. Um, this is date night at the coffee shop. I forgot. Um, I was distracted by my apple fritter. Um, yeah, so we're finishing up our spooky series um, today with this episode, finishing it up with Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time this releases, it should release on October 30th, so the day before Halloween. So give you guys a little Halloween treat to kick off your Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've said many times this is one of our favorite seasons and, and Halloween, one of our favorite holidays. Um, so I'm really excited to get into this one. Um, for those of you that are new listeners and may not understand what we do, um, here Let's at Date Night at the down. Coffee Shop, we try a new coffee at the beginning of each episode. Um, we kind of give you our thoughts and opinions on it like you need those. Um, Every, oh, like I told you, I found a shirt the other day that said, everybody is entitled to my opinion. Yeah. I need it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we try a new coffee, and then we talk about any kind of random topic. Um, these last few episodes, we've been talking about all things fall spooky. and spooky um, to finish out October. Um, so now we're talking about Halloween. 
Um, so let's go ahead and talk about this. Our coffee today is uh, Sleepy Hollow Blend mm -hmm. by Barissimo. Um, for those of you that don't know, Barissimo is, is the only place I've ever seen it is Aldi. It's like I one of those house Aldi house brands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it says it's from the Nyungwei Forest Regional Blend. So that's what it is. And it's got uh, tasting notes of orange, citrus, and apple. So, first of all, that's those are very strange tasting notes for coffee. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm mean, so excited to try it. I really just assumed it was going to be like citrus flavored coffee, but yeah. it's it's not it's not at all. It's actually just it's just a medium roast. Um, description here says: As you wait await your morning cup of coffee, you stare sleepily out the window at blowing leaves and jack o' lanterns. You take a sip and realize, with its notes of orange, citrus, and apple, this coffee blend is legendary. <laughs> um, so also it should go perfectly with our apple fritter. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is. It's pretty good. It's pretty good coffee. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's Usually, a little bit strong and like it, it's um it's a little bit bitter. A little bit. It's. I mean, it's not like super high quality coffee. Mm -hmm. It's just grocery store house brand coffee. But it's good. Um. Yeah, it's not bad. So. I definitely taste the like citrus notes to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the bitter that I'm getting. So it's not like really bitter. It's just like more like it's bright. Acidic. Yeah. 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 It is very bright. It's a medium roast. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, typically we drink dark roast. This is good. Like wake up coffee. I can mm -hmm. see it. Cause it's like, it's very, yeah, like it's, you said, it's bright. It I would like be it. A, a good, um, like morning mm -hmm. brew. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think I'm going to give it. Probably a five. Cause it's like it's not that's not that's low for me, but like probably like a five, cause it's not like the best coffee I've ever had, um, but it's not bad either. So I mean, it's just middle of the road, good like you know, decent yeah. coffee. Yeah, I would agree. I would I would probably say five five and a half. Yeah, it's just it's um, yeah. Yeah, like you said, middle of the road. That's that's like kind of perfect description. It's yeah. it's not, it does go well with the apple. Fruit it's not great. It's mm -hmm. not terrible. Um, yeah. I, I would recommend if, if you're interested in it to try it. Um, the bag looks really cool. It comes in a black bag with like this really cool like red orange mm -hmm. um, artwork on it. So again, a Sleepy Hollow blend. Um, thought that would go perfectly with our episode today. Pick it um, up at your local Aldi. Yeah. I grabbed the last bag at ours, so <laughs> that oh, may well, be sold out. <laughs> good to know. But, but yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, man, this apple fritter is amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, so again, we're talking okay. about Halloween today. All right, uh, the history of Halloween and just kind of different facts and information about Halloween, the holiday. This was exciting for me to research. I do, I don't know, like I say that every episode, but I just really like researching things and learning new things. Yeah. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I like to learn new things, but I don't really like to research them. So that I like this is perfect. I like that you do the research, <laughs> and then you just tell me what you found. Nice. It's perfect. Match made in heaven, right? Yeah. Okay, so let me get some water here and I'll get started. That's what I always preferred in college. I, I just really preferred like lecture classes. I'd just rather go in and listen to the lecture. I don't really want to do the assignments or anything. I just want to <laughs> listen to you tell me. Tell me what I need to know. Right. Well, listen, I'm about to tell you what you need to know. Okay. Okay. So Halloween first began as the holiday of Samhain. Um, not a lot is known about it because over the years it's been Christianized, as were many pagan holidays. So I want to go ahead and stop here. So you said it's pronounced Samhain, mm -hmm. right? 
because it's it's spelled Samhain. S A M H A I N. Yeah. So my Gaelic is not great. And there's a lot of Gaelic words in here. I had to look up and do like the Google thing where it's just like, how do you pronounce this word? And like, mm. <laughs> and so bear with me. My Gaelic is not great. But yeah, it is. Oh, no it's, it's I just solid. thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's definitely spelled Samhain. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like that lady, that actress, her name is, her name is spelled weird, but it's pronounced Sorsha. I don't know who that not is. Not Sorsha. Sersha. I don't know who that is. Anyways. Yeah. Gaelic is Gaelic is a very complex language. Um, so it began as one of the four seasonal festivals for like the Celtic community. Um, a couple of people suggested that it was the Celtic New Year because it was marked by stocking up for the winter and performing sacrifices and divination rituals such as burning bonfires, scrying, and dream interpretation. Mm. So, um, so it's kind of like the the Chinese New Year. It's in the middle of the year kind of thing right. for us. So, um, so yeah, they think some it's people... kind of toward the end. Yeah, some people think that it's, like, a mark for, like, the new year. Like, you start off really rough, and then you, like, stock up and all that. Uh, Samhain is mentioned frequently in early Irish literature, and, it, and many important events in Irish mythology happen or begin on Samhain. Um, so, the stories go that Samhain was marked by great gatherings where they held meetings, feasted... Maestro. Hold on. One break. Sorry about that. And we're back. Dogs, man. What can we say? Anyways, Samhain is mentioned frequently in uh, early Irish literature, like I said. And the stories go that Samhain was marked by great gatherings where they held meetings, feasted, drank alcohol, and held contests. Every three years on Samhain, the Feast of Tara was held. So it's like the Feast of Tara. During which new laws and duties were ordained and Ireland's councils were formed. So, in ancient Ireland, the hills of Tara and Clacta, uh, Clacta, Clacta, sure, it's spelled T L A C H T G A. So, <laughs> we're gonna just go with it here. So, these two hills, Tara and Clacta, were important. Tara was long the seat of high kings of Ireland. So Tara was kind of like a royal castle. Mm-hmm. Um, tradition, tradition has it that Druids lit a, lit a huge bonfire on the hill of Clogda and uh, burning torches were then carried from there to every household in the middle of the night. The hill of Clogda is about 13 miles away from the hill of Tara, and the ancient ritual site of Clogda was the center of Celtic religious worship for over 2,000 years. Um, this was the center of the great fire festival that signaled the onset of winter. So these fires signaled the onset of winter. The rituals and ceremonies carried out here by the pre-Christian Irish offered assurances to the people that the powers of darkness would be overcome um, and that the powers of light and life would once again be ascendiary, so they would rule. This was the place where the Celtic sun god was celebrated at the year's end. So Clocta is clearly visible from Terra, and the fire lit on the eve of Samhain was a prelude to the Samhain festival at Terra. Okay. It kind of just reminds me of... Um the Lord of the Rings, 
where they light the, the beacon fires. Oh, yeah. Like, you, like, see it from the distance. Yeah. So, basically, there was this huge celebration at the Hill of Terra and the yeah, Hill of Clopto. which is, like, the royal capital or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so, these things would, like, it was just a party. Samhain was a huge party, and they'd be like, winter's about to start, let's stock up, let's do this, like, big shebang kind of thing. Like, I was talking about in our fall kickoff about mm. how a lot of fall festivals, like, signal... It's the last hurrah before you got to, like, hunker down. Right. So that's kind of what they were doing here. It kind of, I mean, for different motives, but it kind of reminds me of Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah. And I have in my notes here, I have, like, basically I gathered that the ancient Celts, Celts, right? Celts? Celts? Celts. Celts. Um, knew how to throw down, and I wish I could have witnessed it other than the whole, like, dying at 20 thing. Like... Yeah, I do want to go. Like they still have some of like the uh, like the Highland Games and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's actually some around here somewhere. Oh, that'd be so much. I fun. really want to go check it out. I know. With your heritage, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I'm Irish too, so. No, I'm Irish and Scottish. I know. You just it's running through your running through your veins. I know. Mm. So, during Samhain, it was believed that the boundary between this world and the other world could be more easily crossed. So this means, or this meant that the A is she, um, again, my Gaelic is horrible. So, or the, like the spirits or fairies, I'm just going to call them fairies from here on out, um, could more easily come into our world. At Samhain, offerings of food and drink were left outside for the fae folk in order to appease and propitiate them so that the people and their livestock survived the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also thought that the souls of the dead revisited their home seeking hospitality. Feasts were had um, at which the souls of the dead kin were beckoned to attend and a place was set at the table for them. So this is very similar to... Dia de Marta. Mm-hmm. Dia de Marta. So plays and disguises were a part of the festival and people would go door to door in costume, often reciting verses in exchange for food, a practice called souling. Hmm. So this is where the... Trick-or-treating came from. Yep. Souling. Um, So, as we move on in history, by 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. uh, In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was um, Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple. Uh, And the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples. Right. So I want to go ahead and and talk about this a little bit. So it seems oddly coincidental that all these different cultures, like they all have this this holiday to like remember the dead, mm-hmm. all around the same time. You've got the Dia de Muerte, now you got Samhain, and what what was this one called again? The uh, the Roman Feralia. Feralia, mm-hmm. all happening around October mm-hmm. for basically the same reasons. That just is interesting to me. Yeah. On these cultures that you know, for most of their existence, had no contact. Yeah. So. It's interesting that, and I, I say it a little bit later in my notes, like that every culture in the world has a way to commemorate their dead. And they have like yeah. a celebration and a well, festival. Yeah. And so that's kind of one of the things that I guess would happen, you know, with um, like sociologic evolution. Like, it, you know, they, everybody's kind of advancing and they, you know, 
society would want to remember these things like from their past, remember their dead. But it just seems so odd to me that they all happen at the same time also. Yeah. I don't know if... I don't know if all cultures it happens at the same time, but it is interesting. Yeah, that I mean, the, I'm sure not all. Yeah, of them, it but. is interesting, like you say, that like the European, like Roman, like it all it happens at the it's the same time of year, like Roman, yeah, the Celtic, Roman, the Celts, yeah. the Mexicans, Guatemalans, like all of that. Like yeah, it's it's crazy that you know it's all around the same time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess it has something to do with the changing of the seasons. Mm, like that's what I was about to say. Everything is becoming dead. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was about to say that it probably does have to do with the fact that, um, like, the seasons are symbolic of life, right? You yeah. know, <clears throat> winter is death. And so, like, you use that time right before death to remember, right? you know, you're dead and stuff like that. So And probably a lot of loved ones at that time died in the winter anyway. Uh huh. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I just, I just <laughs> looking at you know like the societal implications is just interesting to me to see like how similar they all are. Yeah, and I mean you know we talked a little bit about this when we did astronomy, like when we did uh, space, we did the space episode, and we talked about how like every single culture um, developed a way to study the stars. So like yeah. humanity is constantly seeking ways to make sense of the world around them. And they do it in their own way, and because well, not we're, necessarily their own way though, but like very much the same. Similar, way. Yeah, I was about to say like they do it in their own way. However, like it's oddly and eerily similar, and it follows a pattern. Yeah, almost. Yeah, and it's not from like a influential contact though. A lot of this right. stuff, like that's exactly. how to me. Like clearly, like societies have evolved. Separately. Uh, according to some sort of specific design or instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, because they just do these things. They yeah. do them very similarly, almost the same way, although they've when never heard separate. of each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in 1000 AD, after Christianity had moved into the Celtic lands and the Catholic Church named November... Second, All Souls Day. Similar to Samhain, this day was celebrated with parties, bonfires, and people wearing costumes of angels and devils. All Souls Day was also um, called All Hallows or All Hallows Mass. The day before the traditional day of Samhain to the Celts became later known as All Hallows Eve, eventually Halloween. Hmm. So that's where it came from. Um, Christianity was like, oh, that's, you're doing a bunch of dead stuff that's weird to us, so let's just commemorate, like, let's just, Let's just do something different. Like. Yeah, let's take that over and make it more in line with yeah Christianity. Yeah. So, um, but that's basically... probably kill a lot of you for doing it not our way. Yeah. The Catholic Church is good at that. So, I touched on this at the very beginning, but like bonfires. I was doing some reading in my, in my research about mm. bonfires and bone fires and stuff like that. And there are a lot of people who do not like to use the word bonfire because of its origin right they're like "Mm -mm, we're not going to do that because like because there wasn't a practice of divination where you would throw bones into the fire and they would it would tell the future right so that's where the the term bonfire comes from right and a lot of people are like no we're not going to call this a bonfire like i've never heard anyone like avoid the term i i I, when i was researching the origin of bonfire a Mm -hmm. lot of people and it was like very like conservative type people who are like no we're not going to do that because it's troublesome to them that like bonfire started as a divination ritual 
So I thought that was that was interesting little side trail. Um, so this I didn't know, and this is exciting. So remember, remember the fifth of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes and his companions did the scheme contrived to blow the king and parliament all up alive. On November 5th, 1605, a group of dissident Catholics tried to assassinate the Protestant King James I of Britain in an attempt um, known as the Gunpowder Plot. The attempt failed, and one of the group, Guy Fawkes, was caught with the explosive beneath, explosives beneath the House of Lords. And although he had co-conspirators, his name it's, attached itself infamously to the plot. Guy Fawkes Day was celebrated by Protestants of Britain as triumph over Catholicism, and November 5th became an occasion for anti-Catholic sermons, vandalism of Catholic homes and businesses, even though officially the government claimed it was a celebration of providence sparing the king. The night before Guy Fawkes Day, bonfires were lit, and unpopular figures, often the Pope, were hanged an effigy while people drank, feasted, and lit off fireworks. Children and the poor would go house to house, often wearing masks, pushing an effigy of Guy Fawkes in a wheelbarrow and begging for money or treat. So, more souling. Right. Interesting. So, I've always heard about the 5th of November and like about the, the gunpowder plot, but I never really heard about all this stuff that happened after that, all these celebrations. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's right around Halloween, and we'll get into a little bit why it why this is important right also so, the 5th of november that's my mom's birthday mm -hmm. so. the right day yep right day so later halloween came to america but it was very very limited in its celebration due to strong protestant beliefs however they did celebrate guy fox day as a celebration over catholic rule so one of the first traditions were known as play parties where large public gatherings where people would sing, dance, and tell ghost stories and read fortunes. Festivals at this time of year were common by the mid-19th century, but it wasn't until a few decades later when Irish fleeing the potato famine came to America and popularized Halloween all over the country. So basically, Guy Fawkes Day and Halloween melded together a little bit because Protestant there was a lot of like Protestant protestants here in america at first and you know they were like mm -mm, we don't want any of that catholic rule blah blah blah, blah you know right freedom from religious persecution and that's why it got such a good foothold to begin with mm -hmm. um whenever the irish came a little bit later so in the late 1800s people wanted halloween to be more family oriented and child-friendly event so instead of parties focused on witchcraft and spirits People would have large community parties where family would families would play games, eat seasoned food, and dress in costumes. Seasonal food, not seasonal. Oh, season, food. yeah, <laughs> seasoned food, seasonal. I can't read my own notes. Um, so by the 1950s, Halloween had become mainly focused on around children, mainly due to the 50s baby boom. Everyone's like, "Hey, look at my cute kid!" You know, mm. like um, celebrations moved from town centers to classrooms and at home. The tradition of trick-or-treat arose when adults would give out treats to neighborhood children as to not be pranked. So, souling evolved into, like, hey, don't prank me because of, like, because um, right. of, like, Guy Fawkes Day, too. They are like, running amok kind of yeah. stuff. I do wish that it was a little bit more, like, community-oriented, like you mm -hmm. were talking about how it moved from the the town centers to, like, other places. Like, I, 
I, I've always loved like fall festivals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I wish those were a bigger deal. Me too. I love fall festivals. We talked about pumpkin junk in, in the last episode, I think, or one of the earlier ones. Yeah. But I just love, I love it. I love hay rides. I like just the communal part of it. I just, yeah. it's so much fun. So, side note, the French don't really celebrate Halloween. The French... Mm. Mm-mm. Nope. So it's, since it's historically been an American holiday, like it's been super Americanized, um, and starting in the 90s, some hipsters started having like costume parties, and that's that's basically how it's done now. Like they don't really celebrate Halloween, like with trick-or-treating and stuff like that, but they do like costume parties. Right. So, yeah. But like I said, uh, I, I said this earlier, like every culture in the world has a way to commemorate their dead. And I, I did my favorite. I mentioned my favorite way that people commemorate their dead. It's the Manini tribe or the Manini festival in Indonesia where the mummies of the dead return to visit their loved ones. This is the these are the people that dig up their relatives and like clean their bodies and like redress them. Oh. Yeah. I included a link, but yeah. That's it's super cool. It's so cool. So okay. they actually they don't nec- they don't just like sit around looking at pictures of their Mm-mm. loved ones. They actually get their bodies out mm-hmm. and clean them clean and redress them and yep That's and they mummify handy. them so that they can do this and they can it's like once a year where they i don't remember, i don't think i read when it is but yeah they like That's so take strange yeah they hang out with them for like a day and stuff like that and they like so it's, weird yeah i love it the bernie's can you do that with me will you do that every year is that how can no, we? No, that's got a whole <laughs> rose for emily or oh, what is it a rose for emily yeah yeah uh, kind of vibe to it. I'm, I don't, that's I don't my favorite. That. I love that story. That's my favorite. That it's weird. I I love that story so much. It was the best. So yeah, that's kind of the history of Halloween and how it's evolved. And a little side note about the Monene festival. This coffee is really good. Okay, so do you want to hear some? Uh, history or some information on some local legends and how common Halloween stuff came to be? No. No? Okay. Well, then that's our episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's hear them. Okay. So, jack-o'-lanterns. So, it evolved from a legend of Stingy Jack. Um, so, a Stingy Jack was a clever drunk and con man who fooled the devil into banning him from hell, but because of his sinful life, he couldn't enter heaven. After his death, he roamed the world carrying a small lantern made of a turnip with a red-hot ember from hell inside to light his way. Um, So a lot of scholars believe that this legend evolved from sightings of the -the Will-o'-the-Wisp. And in folklore, um, a will-o'-the-wisp is an atmospheric ghost light seen by travelers at night, especially over bogs, swamps, or marshes. But in actuality, it's just swamp gas. So they say. Yeah. It's all, that's always swamp gas. Swamp gas. That's just what they (laughs) use to explain things that they don't really know. Want us to know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they know, they know what it is. Yeah. It's not swamp gas. It's exactly, that's just what they use to cover up like magic and and Mm -hmm. ghosts. It's always swamp gas. 100%. Yeah. So whenever I lose things in the house, can I blame swamp gas? I mean... No, because there's not really a swamp around here. Okay, well, that's worth a shot. Because I just seem to misplace everything in this house. 
<laughs> okay, so on All Hallows' Eve, the Irish fo- uh, hollowed out turnips and carved them with faces and a candle inside so that they so that as they went about souling, um, and the the then when the veil between life and death was thinnest, they would be protected from spirits like st- Stingy Jack. So they're like, we have this, we're like you, like we've got a turnip with a little light in it. Don't come so, take us away. <laughs> I'm interested in this whole turnip idea. Why did why did they move from turnips to, to pumpkins? Do we know? I don't know. That I don't know. We should go like back to the source and, and just start putting out turnips. turnips instead of pumpkins with little yeah. lights on them. Turnips are small. Yeah. So I wonder if that's why. I wonder if pumpkins were bigger and like... You know. I mean, yeah, they are bigger. Well, I wonder if that's what... Because like bigger and better kind of thing. I don't know. Good question. Okay, so this next one is my is like near and dear to my heart. So it's mischief night. It's an informal holiday on which children and teenagers engage in pranks and vandalism. It's known by a variety of names, including Devil's Night, Gate Night, Goosey Night, Moving Night, Cabbage Night, and Mat Night. So basically, apparently, this is the thing in the Midwest. Yeah. Like really popular in the Midwest, but basically, it's. I think it's the night before Halloween. You get to go out and do whatever you want. And I thought this was super cool until I remembered that we lived in a one-light town growing up. And every night was mischief night when you got nothing to do but tip cows, do drugs, and make out. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much it. Although I've never done two of those things. I want to go tipping cows really badly. Can we do that when we go home? Do you know anybody who has cows that we can tip? I know people that have cows, but we're not going to go tip the cows. Why? We're just not going to do that. Have you ever been cow tipping? No. Is it fun? Like, do you know? I mean, you haven't been, but like... I don't know anyone that actually has ever done that because oh. it's just weird. Why is it weird? Why is it... It's it's just weird. Okay, so like, I'm not originally from the South. I just assume that that's something that every Southern person no, does. that's not something that people <laughs> actually do anymore. <laughs> But isn't it, don't you have to do it when they're asleep? Yeah. Okay, so you go, whenever they're asleep, you have to like linebacker, like hit them with your shoulder and tip them over, right? I, I, I've never done it. I don't uh, know. I don't know how hard it is to knock over a cow. I've never tried. I, I assume it's not very easy. I say, okay, so I say I want to go, but I don't think I do because I would feel bad scaring a cow. I would be really upset if I was just laying there sleeping and somebody like plowed into me. Yeah. Um, but I will say that's something that we did frequently. I'm about to confess to a crime. Um, I did not go rolling yards enough as a kid, and I really miss it. So petty vandalism is, like, my favorite crime. I really like petty vandalism. I think it's so funny. Did you – so do you, did you ever – you went rolling yards with me one time, didn't you? Yeah, I've been rolling yards. I think I've only done it – Many like, times. I think I've only done it three times. So I say that because, like, that's, like, a mischief night kind of thing that you would do. I want somebody to roll our yard. No, we don't. What? <laughs> I don't want to clean it up. Okay, fine. Although with the TP shortage that has been going on lately, then maybe, maybe not. Okay, moving on. Bloody Mary. So this ancient urban legend isn't entirely specific to Halloween, but many of its versions involve performing the incantation on Halloween night. It says that if you stare at yourself in a mirror while saying Bloody Mary three times, some demonic woman will appear from the other side and possibly drag you into her parallel universe. If you do this and see an angry woman staring back at you, it's probably your mom. 
who just walked into your room and wondered why you're being so silly. So I got to say, the haunting of Bly Manor has made mirrors a lot more scary for me. Eh. I know. Nothing Nothing bothers you. You're like, a sto- you're a stone wall. Me, I'm like walking in the mirror, walking in the bathroom and I look in the mirror like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So those of you that haven't seen it, there's, <clears throat> without giving too many spoilers, The Haunting of Blind Manor, there's just this deal that the main character has a thing. She sees this with dude mirrors. with... She, she keeps ha- see, seeing a, a, a person in, in all the mirrors. Yeah. So. And he's a creepy looking person too. Yeah. With like yellow eyes. It's weird. Anyways... Um, the next one is poisoned candy. So this is that urban legend. So the most persistent urban legend of all is the idea that somewhere in your hometown lurks a sadist who's poisoning the Halloween candy he's giving out to random trick-or-treaters. In history, there's only been one case of someone deliberately poisoning Halloween candy, but it wasn't to random children. It was Ronald O'Brien of Texas who intentionally spiked his son's pixie sticks with cyanide, hoping to collect a huge insurance payout. He also gave the candy to three other children, hoping to cover his tracks, but apparently none of them liked pixie sticks, so none of them indulged. O'Brien's son, though, died from the poisoning, and O'Brien received the death penalty and died via lethal injection in 1974. Dang. Yep. So this whole like poison and candy, ugh, like scare and like razor blades, like all of this stuff, it's not real. It's one person who did this to his kid, this one horrible, horrible person. So yeah, I always, my parents were always, I mean, I didn't go trick-or-treating as a kid, but my parents were always like, poison candy, be careful. Like, and my mom would always get like full candy bars to like, I don't know, be bougie, I guess, but to like make sure these are good. They're good. They're not like that poisoned cheap candy or whatever. I don't know. So, yeah, that's just weird. Like, Have I, you not heard the poison candy stuff? Yeah, I've heard people talk about it, but never really had anybody make a big deal about it. Huh. You got to check your packaging to make sure everything's sealed really good. No. Yeah. We always get like a lot of homemade stuff anyways. Like, oh my gosh, we have to go home. I need I need popcorn balls. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hopefully grandmother makes some more this time. Mm, I need to learn how to make them. Yeah. Your grandmother makes really good we popcorn balls. We need to get balls. one of those hair popper things. Yeah. Popcorn balls, I don't know how that became a Halloween thing, but it's good. I don't know, but we would always go and uh, grandmother would make Halloween, or would make popcorn balls. <gasps> and my, Apple pies. My great aunt, Aunt Joy would always make fudge so we would always go mm. by there and get some fudge and some candy from her and trick-or-treat and then we'd go trick-or-treating around and then usually stop by grandmother's and she would always do like chili and stuff too so we would have like dinner oh that sounds amazing yeah it was a lot of fun i loved halloween i have never been trick or treat. well i went once I w- i've only been once in my entire uh, we life went all the time hmm as long as I can remember, we went. So, what was your favorite Halloween costume? I'm diverting, but what was your favorite Halloween costume? Um, I don't really know. I don't remember a lot of them, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Huh. I always... Because I, we didn't celebrate Halloween when I was a kid. And so, like, people who did celebrate Halloween, I, I'm always like, what was it like? Like, what's... <laughs> like, I'm like, let me, let me extract information from you. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love super. Trick or treating. It was fun. 
it's different now. Like now that they do, now they do a lot of like trunk or treats, and like people don't go like door to door anymore. At yeah. least not where we are. You know. Yeah, we would always go to like the same places. Oh. It would it would always be like people you knew. Yeah, it okay. pretty much would only be like people from church. Oh. We, would, we would go there, and then we would go to like some places, like some of the little trunk or treat kind of places mm-hmm. later. They didn't really have a lot of those when I was younger, but when mm-hmm. my my nephews got a little bit older. They had some of those, so we would go. In our church, we'd usually do one. So, the one time I went trick-or-treating was at I, a retirement home, old folks home, I can't remember, um, nursing home. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was the one there in Albertville, like behind the police station and the library, like right close to the farmer's market. Do you remember? It was like, I don't know, they tore it down, but... um but that's the one time I went. I went with a friend and we snuck out. Like I stuck my costume. It was like, it was, my costume was a nightgown that made me feel like a princess. So I don't know why I wore that, but I was like, ah, oh, princess, you know, that's the one time I snuck it out in my bag. And like the mom, she just thought I was so deprived because <laughs> I was not allowed to go trick or treating. My mom got real upset when I came home in my in this like nightgown looking thing. It was an adult nightgown and a sleeping bag or not, I mean a pillowcase full of candy. I was like, oh my gosh! I was like so happy, high on sugar. My mom was not happy <laughs> at all. I was over the moon, but that's the only time she's like, I was like, I didn't want to be rude and say no. I couldn't go trick or treating. Like they were already going, and she's like, you knew. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she was real upset. <laughs> Um, okay, so moving on. Um, haunted houses. So, they started in the Great Depression. Huh, that's interesting. I know. Halloween had long been a night of revelry for adults and children, seen as a positive outlet for young men to blow off steam. This ranged from stealing neighbors' gates off their hinges to stealing dead bodies. (laughs) In 1879, about 200 boys in Kentucky stopped a train by laying a faked uh, a fake stuffed body across the railroad tracks. Okay, so stealing gates and dead bodies <laughs> were considered positive outlets. I read one story of a, a group of guys who stole a corpse and like laid it up against the, like a university's front doors. That's awesome. That is so fun, right? Oh, I love it. The good old days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Grave robbing, you know. Um, yeah, so I don't want to hear anybody <laughs> talk about how, like, immoral and stuff like the world is these days. Like, this was a hundred years ago. Yeah. And they're stealing dead bodies, and that was considered a positive outlet. Yeah, blowing off steam. Yeah, like, just, no, don't don't talk to me about how terrible the world is now. It's been this bad forever. Uh, yeah, it really has. It's just not the same thing that you used to do. Yeah. Um, so this is a quote, um, quote, this is the only evening on which a boy can feel free to play pranks outdoors without danger of being pinched. And it is his delight to scare passing pedestrians, ring doorbells and carry off neighbor's gates, especially one boys. So like, this is a guide, boys craft guide. That's what it's like. It's like how to have fun, steal a neighbor's gate, scare somebody, steal a body. Like, you know, check, 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 done. Like... So according to the guide, even if a boy had to fetch the gate he stole out of a tree he left it in, the punishment is nothing compared um, with the uh, sorts of pranks that have 
the sport that the prank has furnished him. So, like, if you have to go fix it, not a big deal. But, like, it was just really good fun. Right. Um, however, the economic disaster of the Great Depression exacerbated young men's Halloween antics, uh, leading to increased public concern and anger. In 1933, parents were outraged when the hundreds of teenage boys flipped over cars, sawed off telephone poles, and engaged in other acts of vandalism across the country. Some cities considered banning Halloween altogether, yet in many communities, their response was to organize Halloween activities for young people so that they didn't run amok. They started to organize trick-or-treating, parties, costume parades, and yes, haunted houses to keep them busy. So I just want to circle back to the first sentence. They sawed off telephone poles. They were like, this is fun. Yeah. That seems incredibly dangerous. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, just like, that's how you get electrocuted. No, you don't get electrocuted from sawing the pole. Well, if the lines fall. I mean. And they touch, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal, is it not? Like, is that. Yeah, but you don't, I mean, you don't go grab the wires or anything. That's true, but. Man, I'd be real upset. See, they need to just convert to all metal poles so this doesn't happen. But <laughs> I don't really think it's that big of a problem anymore. <laughs> you never know. Could make a resurgence. History is cyclical. You know. It could. I say I say that I like petty vandalism, and I kind of do, but I don't feel like this is petty vandalism. Like this is a big deal. Can you just imagine? Like, because this is mischief night. You know, like basically just flip. You walk out one day, walk out, and your car flipped over, and the telephone pole in the front yard. I'd be so upset. Yeah. So, haunted or spooky public attractions already had some precedents in Europe. Um, it started in the 1800s. Marie Tussaud's Wax Museum in London featured a chamber of horrors with decapitated figures from the French Revolution. In 1915, a British um, amusement ride manufacturer created an early haunted house complete with dim lights, shaking floors, and demonic screams. So, basically, haunted houses became... They're like, we got to give these crazy children something to do. Right. So, like, let's just go make this terrifying attraction and scare the shit out of them. That'll be fine. Well, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I want to go. Well, I say I want to go. I don't want to go. There's Deadwood or Deadland, whatever, over there Mm -hmm. up the road. I haven't been a huge fan of haunted houses. I act all big and brave. No, you don't. Well, like leading up to it. And then (laughs) whenever I go in, I spent the whole time with my head between your shoulders and just like, that's, yeah. I don't like being scared. I like the idea of it until it actually happens, and then I'm like, no thanks. Okay, so the last one I have is Sleepy Hollow, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So where, like, where it came from. So Elizabeth Bradley, a historian at the historic Hudson Valley, says that a likely source for Washington Irving's Headless Horseman can be found in Sir Walter Scott's 1796, um, not... Um, poem called The Chase. It's a translation of a German poem called The Wild Huntsman, and it's likely based on North mythology. So she quotes, Irving had just met and become friends with Scott in 1817, so it's likely he was influenced by his new mentor's work. The poem is about a wicked hunter who's doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell as punishment for his crimes. So that's kind of where Sleepy Hollow probably originated from. Other people said that, um, Washington Irving was inspired by an actual Hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannonball during the Battle of White Plains around Halloween in 1776. Yeah, so I've, I've heard about this Hessian soldier, and that's 
the show Sleepy Hollow is based on mm-hmm. that Hessian soldier myth. Yeah. Um, I've always loved Sleep- Sleepy Hollow things. Like there's the, uh, I, I love the old movie with, with uh, Johnny Depp. Sleepy and Christina Ricci's in it, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, okay. I forgot about her. That is good. I haven't read the book, but I would like to. I haven't read the book either. I would like to. And it fits perfectly our whatever. I know, that's why I included it. Sleepy Hollow blend. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, those are my notes. That's what I got. What do you think of Halloween? Did you learn something? Or did you already know all this stuff? Because you're a Halloween pro. I wouldn't call myself a pro. I did learn many things. This was really cool. Mm Of course, I just just love talking about Halloween and all the different kind of... uh, yeah. So I wouldn't. And stuff. I wouldn't say that Halloween is my favorite holiday. However, this doing this has really um, endeared me a little bit more to Halloween. Like it's not that I don't like it; it's just not something I celebrated growing up, and so I don't have that nostalgia factor. And I feel like right. that's that's why a lot of people enjoy Halloween is because they have a nostalgia factor with it. Yeah. Um, and I don't. It's just not something like we passed out candy, but that's that was it. So. This has definitely helped, like, knowing the origin. It's fun. Like, not that I necessarily believe that the veil between, like, this side and the other side is, like, thinner or whatever. But I do think that a lot of the traditions are just really nice, you know? Yeah, and there's something to be said. Like, I think it's important to remember, like, the dead. Like, with the Dia de Muerta, Samhain. Yeah, um, and... In the South, you guys do something called decoration, where you go, like, clean graves and, like, decorate decorate the grave and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's usually in the spring. Yeah, but. yeah, but, like, there's something to be said for, like, remembering your dead. Like, I think that's really sweet. And some of the traditions, like, making a place at the table for them and, like, just kind of having, I don't know, having a, a time where you, where you have fun with, with, I don't know, not with them, but, like... You just have a good time, like, instead of, because a lot of funerals and a lot of death is, like, always really sad, and... Yeah. But just being like, you know, like, this was good. Yeah. I miss them, and, like, I don't know. some time to actually, like, remember the good times you had with them, and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, and, like, making it, and like I said, I think Halloween these days is, like, super commercialized, but it's whimsy, and I like that. I like the, like, just, I like how whimsical it is. I think it's nice. Yeah. So it's definitely, like I said, endeared me a little bit more to Halloween. So that's what I got. I'm going to finish my apple fritter. Yeah, it's super good. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's our episode on Halloween. That was a lot of fun. What are we going to uh, do next? One of my favorite topics. Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. My sister says we should do an episode on apple pie. Mm, okay. And we'll do like the origin of apple pie. I, I don't know that there's a lot there. We can figure it out. But we'll think of something. Um, yeah, so again, our, our topic today, Halloween, super fun. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did talking about it. Sorry about um, the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, some uh, few disturbances here and there this time. This um, coffee is pretty good, though. It Yeah, it's not bad. Um, again, this is Barissimo, the Aldi brand. Uh, Sleepy Hollow Blend. It's a medium roast. Um, notes of apple and orange citrus. 
Goes um, well with a Ralph's Donuts apple fritter. So make sure you, you get that if you can. Go to Cookville, get a Ralph's yeah. <laughs> apple fritter. Yep. Um, so, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening, joining us again. Um, so this was the end of our spooky season series. Um, so lots of fun things to come. We've got a lot of holidays and stuff coming up, so we'll probably do a lot on, um, you know, some some origins. and Saturnalia. Yeah, we'll probably do some, some more holiday-inspired episodes coming up, too. Um, so be looking for some of that. Um, got and some, beer. We got lots of beer. Yeah, we got beer. We're, we'll do some uh, more local roasters. Um, a lot of cool things gonna be gonna be coming your way. Um, so we're a lot of we're we're really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, share, subscribe. You can find us on almost anywhere you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, Tune in. Tune in, uh, our host Podbean. Um, Thanks, Podbean. Yeah, you can email us any suggestions you have at date night coffee shop at gmail.com. or DM us on the gram. Yep, Instagram at date night at the coffee shop. Um, we'd be happy to hear from you guys. Give us some coffee suggestions, some topic suggestions, anything like that. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, that's really all I got. So th- again, thank you guys so much for listening. Your Barb. And you're Sam. Bye, guys. Bye.